Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners once again today. We're so thankful to have this opportunity to come to before you each day and know that so many are listening as we open up God's Word and dig a little bit deeper into those rich teachings and truths. You know, here in Search the Scriptures, we do exactly that. We get into God's Word. We don't just look at it as in a surface-level kind of study. We don't just talk about the Bible. We dig deep into God's Word, and we study His Word in depth and in detail. We want to help you come to God. We want to help you get to heaven. God has given us the roadmap to do that, to get there in His Word. He has given us the means by which we can develop and then nurture and grow our faith in his word. Romans 10 and verse 17, at the risk of sounding redundant, but I don't think we can be overly redundant on this particular point. Faith comes by hearing the the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith is not magical. It's not mystical. It's not mysterious. It comes as we get into God's word and we study it. We learn it. We understand it, we believe it, and then we begin to implement it. That's what real saving faith is. Romans 10 and verse 17. We want to help you have that kind of faith because that kind of faith will lead you again to forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. As you repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, and surrender to Him in baptism, at which point the blood that He shed on the cross so long ago is still 100% effective to cleanse you of the guilt of all of your sins, so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be made new, as Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, so that you can be born again, as Jesus said, must happen for you to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. We want to help you with that. We want to be a blessing for you along those lines. God wants you to come to him. The apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is willing. God is waiting. He's waiting for you to come to repentance, to come to him through Jesus Christ in the ways that I've just listed, right there communicated to us in his word. God loves you, and we love you. We want to help you be with God for all of eternity in heaven. At the end of the program, we'll tell you how to contact us, And have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. Jot down that information and then contact us. You know, we put down a lot of information sometimes, don't we? We say, you know, I'm going to call that person or I'm going to write a letter to that person or I'm going to email that person, but then we never do. So have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready. Jot down that information and then contact us. Ask for the free Bible study that we always offer. It can literally help you develop your faith, give you direction right from God's word, and help you get to heaven. It's free. We even take care of the postage. We never charge anybody to teach them God's word. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, again, for free, and we'll take care of the postage. Now, some radio programs will say, if you'll send us a contribution... 
we'll send you a free whatever it is. Or for a love offering of such and such, we'll send you a free whatever they're offering. That just doesn't sound free to us. When we say free, we mean free. We don't want you to send us anything. Just make the request. We'll send it to you, and we'll take care of the postage. So have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready, and in just a little bit, we'll give you that information. Then follow through and contact us. We're going to continue in our study about the kind of love that fulfills and sustains marriage. When it comes to the human relationship of marriage, we're just missing the mark on such a grand scale. There are so many couples who end up getting married, but they really don't understand what love really is. They want to have sex legally. Sex is not love. Now, in the right relationship and in the right application, sex is an intimate expression of the love that God designed to be expressed in the unique relationship of marriage. But sex by itself is not love. A whole lot of people have sex They don't love each other. Lust is not love. And so the love that it really ought to be there to initiate the marriage relationship and then to fulfill it and sustain it on an ongoing basis for the rest of that couple's lives, that's something a whole lot deeper than just the emotion that initially attracts a man and a woman to each other. The kind of emotion that says, whoa, look at her. She is beautiful. Or, did you see that guy? He is a hunk. (laughs) That's the kind of emotional attraction that begins to initiate a relationship that may develop into love that says, I want to be your husband. I want to be your wife. Will you marry me? Yes, I'll marry you. But that kind of emotional driven love, that has to develop into something a whole lot deeper for that marriage to really be fulfilled and sustained and become all that it can be as God designed it to be. And that's where agape love comes in. We've been looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through the beginning of verse 8. And here in this particular text of Scripture, Paul lists first in verses 1 through 3, he talks about what this kind of love is not. And if you've never understood the, the concept or the principle of agape love, agape, and the New Testament was first written in Greek, and agape is the Greek word that expresses the highest form of love that the Greek language expresses. Now, in our English language, we have basically one word, and that's love. In the Greek language, they have several different words that express different kinds of love. We use the same word to talk about how we love our wife, we love our husband, and oh, do we love chocolate cake. 
we understand there's a disparity there. Well, agape is the Greek word that describes and expresses the highest form of love. In verses 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul talked about what this kind of love is not. And we've looked at that. He said it's not a lot of empty noise. It's not flamboyant or ostentatious. It's not just an outward show meant to impress people. And this kind of love is not based on the worthiness of the one loved, but on the determination in the heart of the one doing the loving. Agape love cannot be earned. It is freely given. It is unconditional. It quietly hangs in there and does what needs to be done no matter what. And this kind of love does not is not a kind of love that you fall into or fall out of. That's emotional. This kind of love is a make-up-your-mind deal. I make up my mind to love you, my husband, or I love you, my wife, no matter what. This is the kind of love that the emotion-driven attraction must become for that marriage to be all that it can be as God designed it to be. Now, beginning with verse 4, Paul lists 16 qualities of this kind of love. We've looked at the first three. Love suffers long. The idea there, it is, it is determined. It is an ongoing kind of endurance of whatever might come its way, even wrong on the part of one spouse or the other, such as would provoke resentment. But it says, no, no, no. I'm not going to give up. I'm, 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 I'm determined. I'm committed. You know, your spouse may be going through a tough time right now, and so you need to hang in there. You need to be extra patient, extra understanding, and extra supportive. Then next, Paul says, this kind of love is kind. It is good-natured. It is gentle, not sour or ill-tempered or ill-natured, even in the face of provocation. And again, how your spouse, how your husband or your wife acts toward you may be a reflection of how you act toward him or her. Oh, now that's eye-opening, isn't it? They may simply be reflecting how you treat them in the way that they treat you. Love does not envy, Paul said. Feeling bad about the well-being of your spouse They do something good. They accomplish something significant. They receive some kind of award or reward or commendation or compliment. Don't feel bad about that. Don't envy them over that. But rejoice and support them and encourage them and join in celebrating with your spouse's accomplishments. Now the next one says, this kind of love does not parade itself. The idea here is bragging or flaunting oneself, viewing others as inferior to you. You know, there are husbands and wives, and many of you will not find this surprising at all, but there are husbands and wives who feel superior to their spouse. They look down on their spouse. Now, this happens in the part of men toward their wives, and probably equally so on the part of women toward their husbands. They just think, you know, (laughs) what a dunce. 
How fat? How homely? How slow? How uneducated? Well, the list can go on. How untalented? And they'll let their spouse know that they think those things about them. They'll put them down on an ongoing basis. Well, love does not parade itself. It's not bragging. It doesn't flaunt itself. And it views, it does not view others, especially your husband or your wife, as inferior to you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, the apostle Peter wrote, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and clothed with humility. Now, I, I know he's not talking here specifically about marriage, but I want to get the principle there. Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud. Now, hold on. Let's read that again. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Oh, if you're that egotistical, flaunting kind of individual toward your husband or your wife, you need to go back and read the scriptures. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. In due time. Well, that certainly sheds an important light on the relationship, doesn't it? The wise man wrote about this in Proverbs chapter 18, and we've looked at a number of passages of scripture in this study from the book of Proverbs, from also Romans chapter 12 in the New Testament. But Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, notice what the wise man wrote in that particular text. He said, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. When you're putting down your spouse, your husband or your wife, and you tell them, you are so stupid. Why would you say such a stupid thing as that? Now, you're not joking. You're telling them the same kind of thing. You're feeding them the same kind of information and put down verbiage that you have used toward him or her on an ongoing basis for years. Well, again, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You want to kill your marriage? Just keep talking to your spouse like that. Keep putting him or her down like that. Those who love it will eat its fruits, and you will suffer the consequences because of the way you deal with, the way you talk to and talk about your husband or your wife. Oh, it's really ugly to hear that kind of, of continual put-down and disrespect on the part of a wife toward her husband or on the part of a husband toward his wife on an ongoing basis. Love does not parade itself. Never, never, never belittle your spouse. The next quality that Paul lists is love is not puffed up. Now, this is similar to parading itself. We're talking here about ungodly pride. We're talking about arrogance. Oh, we've all known people who majored in being arrogant, haven't we? 
all of us. We've known arrogant people. Arrogant people. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, and he's listing here the qualities of elders within the Lord's church, but I want to get across a particular principle here. In verse 6 he says, not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Now there he's talking about a person harboring ungodly pride, and then he relates that to the devil. Do you want to be like that? Do you want to be someone who emulates the devil in any matter? Well, of course not. We need to be careful about harboring and exhibiting and nurturing ungodly pride. Now, there's a difference between godly pride and ungodly pride. You know, godly pride is a person who goes to work every day. They take pride in their work because they want to do a good job. They want to perform well. They take pride in their appearance in the sense that they want to look proper. They want to look acceptable. They take pride in the way they conduct themselves, their behavior. They don't want to, they don't want to look stupid. They don't want to look out of control. But ungodly pride is the kind of pride that, that kind of feeds upon itself and, and draws purposeful attention to themselves, talks about themselves, how they brag about, you know, let me tell you what I've done. Let me tell you how, how, what I've accomplished. Let me tell you how smart I am. And those people, they just go on and on and on. On an, on an ongoing basis, they're always talking about themselves, always trying to draw attention to themselves. And they don't even realize a lot of times how ugly, how, how negative they sound. Arrogance. It, it, reflects, it reflects a glorious self-image, but its effect is that everyone else sees ugliness. Don't make yourself look ugly to your husband or to your wife by being arrogant in front of them or even to them. In Proverbs chapter 6, Proverbs chapter 6, beginning with verse 16, it's interesting what the wise man lists here as how negative God sees certain things I'm not going to read the entire text, but it starts in verse 16 saying, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. And you know what the first one is? A proud look. A proud look. The look of arrogance. The conduct of arrogance. Again, arrogance reflects a glorious self-image. In other words, the person sees themselves as glorious, as accomplished, as exceptional. But its effect is, to everybody else, it makes that person look ugly. You don't like to be around somebody who's bragging about themselves all the time. Don't make yourself look ugly to your husband or to your wife. Then Paul goes on and he says, he says, love does not behave rudely. It is not haughty. It shows proper respect in all circumstances. 
we go back to Romans chapter 12 again. Romans chapter 12. And again, as I said, this has a lot of specific instruction to us as to how we ought to live, character, behavior, and so on. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, he says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. So this kind of love does not behave rudely. It is not haughty. It shows proper respect in all circumstances. Think of your spouse. Speak to your spouse. Treat your spouse with loving respect. Do not ever be overbearing in the way you talk to and act toward your husband or your wife. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, Paul says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Oh, that kind of love. That kind of love that says, I love you, I will take care of you, I will care for you, I will nurture you, I will protect you, I will support you. That kind of love will get a positive reaction from your husband or your wife, from your spouse. There, Paul is talking about it specifically, about how husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. And, of course, God said when he brought the man and the woman together, you should become one flesh. You give up, to a great extent, your individuality when you become husband and wife and you say, I am now part of you. And I want to be part of you. And I want you to be part of me. Love does not behave rudely. Don't ever be rude to your husband or your wife. It will have negative consequences. Our time is just about up, so we're going to stop and park here. Again, jot down that information as to how to contact us, and then contact us. Contact us. The study is free. We'll take care of the postage. You can have a copy of today's program on CD for free, and we'll take care of the postage. We hope to hear from you right away.